Exactly. And, you know, we've gotten into trouble because yes. of people who enter the movie theater late and don't understand yes. the humor. And don't, and yes. they're like, and I'm like, what are you, what, what storyline are you adding to right. my storyline out of context? And we're not defending her, but we are saying she did not. I it, she I can show you that you guys the tags. I mean, if there was a way to you know it. when I read it and I'm old, you got it. I got it. it was, yeah. yeah, you know. But the kids that don't get that, but do don't we get do it. we have to go back and backtrack for them? Do we honestly, especially in this day and this is an open question. I'm re- honestly asking this. Okay. Do we need to go back and ba- make the whole world baby safe for everyone who do- who can't take? the the bitter truth of this world because the, and we've talked about this before yes. where you know people give every kid in school Correct. gets a trophy yes. and every kid who 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 goes up and shows up at little league gets to run to all the bases whether they hit the ball or not so that of course is from an older episode of what's the tea with RuPaul and Michelle and they are talking about if you remember uh I guess we could call it Tyragate on Twitter Jumpgate uh, well Jumpgate is something different Jumpgate is something recent the oh. conversation they were having this was this was maybe a year or so ago i don't remember but uh, yeah 2015 yeah, yeah. 2015. and uh tyra was getting into some hot water this of course tyra sanchez was getting into some hot water for using the expression kill yourself uh on twitter as kind of a you know sort of like saying oh go to hell or oh get out of here or whatever and she was saying go kill yourself and people were not taking too kindly to that. And she was getting a lot of flack and was not backing down about it. You know, it's interesting because, you know, <laughs> I feel like there's two types of people that would read that. One that would, one that, you know, somebody, ugh, go kill yourself. One type of person might be like, ugh, bitch, right? The other right. type of person is, oh, how dare you say that when bullying is such a problem right now and yeah. I could kill myself and things are really hard right now. And you know, that poor little boy jumped off the bridge and Oh my goodness, there's, and I'm not saying either is right. And I'm not saying either is wrong, but I am saying that there are two types of people mm-hmm. and RuPaul brings up a really, really interesting question in this clip, which is like, do we have to stop? Do we have to explain the movie? when you've walked halfway through the movie, walked in halfway through the movie, like, do we need to like stop the movie and say, okay, this is what you missed. Don't take life so seriously and just take things as they come, right? Is that what we have to do? Or are we gonna continue this culture of quote unquote anti-bullying culture, which I think is, a, in my, me personally, anti-bullying culture has become a bullying culture. Um, mm. But But I, I, I do we have to you know continue giving kids the 11th place ribbon the you know the brown ribbon <laughs> the brown uh, ribbon <laughs> yeah. oh the brown ribbon like you know it's bad when you get a brown ribbon <laughs> yeah i remember for field day oh my god we used to do field day in elementary school where the whole school in the summer when you know they didn't want us to do anything and it was nice out we all each like kind of homeroom or whatever would compete against each other and they'd give out rhythm ribbons at the end. And, you know, there were 15 homerooms. So it's like somebody came in 14th place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it brings up a lot of interesting questions about like, I mean, this idea of do we need to explain the movie halfway through? And I think there's so many factors here. And I think one of them, I mean, a lot of this is tied to, the way social media works and the way that 
things are expressed through you know through social media and and one of the things that rupaul and michelle talk about is like there's no inflection there's no context there's no sense of of snark and sarcasm and and you have to create these um the the nuance of language the the nuance thank you very much i didn't even say it first this episode marries let me just put it out there the nuance of language you know it's interesting for example on on reddit where you know all, the, all these comments are text-based people there's it's almost like um it's a shorthand in reddit to put backslash s after something you're saying just to remind people you're being sarcastic and it's okay. these things like and we rely on emojis and things like this to kind of give context to what's being said just as text and i think for those of us like you know we're in our early 30s and so we have excuse me excuse me early 30s yeah late late 20s yeah yeah. i never i never turned 30 all right blanche Devereaux. (laughs) right right so uh so forever 29 over here uh so (laughs) that being said you know we and and i i don't mean this this feels kind of elitist to you know young people who are younger but i really feel like i I was, uh, you know, a, a present, aware, interacting human being before the internet was the internet and before this was how we were communicating all the time. And so there was always context. If you're talking on the phone, there's context. If you're talking to people in, in person, there's context. And when it gets to be more, and I remember, I remember this experience of, of I aming, like when that really started. And that's really the birthplace of this, you know, email, of course, but I aming. And how do you how do you clarify your tone how do you clarify that you're being sarcastic how do, a lot of people just you know they throw an lol at the end of what they're saying not because they're actually laughing but because they just want you to know that there's a lightness to what they're saying and right 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 it's funny because my my mom and my dad have actually started using lol in emails now and i'm like oh this is yep. weird but okay you get it like you're right like you're right. trying yeah yeah <laughs> and so that's i think a big factor now is like with twitter for example it's like yeah there's no context there's no way of i mean there are ways of denoting your tone but people are taking things very literally so can we give the context now um because i i don't think we we even got to that so why are we showing this clip of the week Colin? well so in particular the reason why we're talking about something that's a year ago is because about two weeks ago this whole you know tyra drama kind of started up again and we would we can call it jump gate which is what uh, one of our listeners, you know, who we we uh, snatched over from Squirrel Friends, Dan Riley, uh, he had messaged about uh, this whole thing that happened like two weeks ago on Twitter where somebody had posted some joke on Twitter and tagged Tyra in it. And Tyra didn't think it was very funny and she com- commented back something, you know, very sort of displeasing about it. And then the person wrote back and was like, oh my God, it's just a joke. What are you so upset about? And Tyra was like, you know, don't, don't tag you know don't i think what she was trying to say was like don't tell me to not be offended don't tag me in something and then say oh just ignore it if you're offended like you clearly wanted attention well now you got it and then she said now here's a bridge jump you know and that yeah and she just kind of continued that context of go build a bridge and jump off of it yeah and so then people were you know someone commented in the comments of like you know it's it's not very becoming of you to like tell people to go kill themselves and tyra just wasn't having it she was just telling people left and right she's like then jump you know it was 
she she was certainly sticking Didn't to she brand. do she did crisscross she did crisscross jump 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 right in the background did, did she was that was there was that... there was something that was going on where crisscross to make a jump jump was it's a 90s song uh where <laughs> For the... that was playing yeah anyway yeah it, it was um it was just kind of like a continuation of this whole thing and and really seeing how i don't know tyra's a i kind of i'm kind of on tyra's side which is weird because it's weird because we weren't before, but I feel like now we're now we're kind of seeing like, all right, whoa, 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 Twitter culture here. What is going on with Twitter and these people baiting these yeah. queens, baiting famous people to try to catch them in this drama, catch them in a, you know, gotcha questions, right? Yeah. Where then you can go back and be like, no, no, I I told you you're a fucking bitch. Right. I told right, you. Right. And you just proved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing when we talk about the age of social media. There's the whole idea of context. Then there's also this whole concept of like, particularly with Twitter, is that you can contact anybody. You can reach out to anybody. You can try to get anybody's attention, you know, and publicly. You're trying to get somebody else's attention in front of the rest of the Twitterverse, you know, or whatever it's right. called. And so it's this opportunity that's feeding a need that super fans and trolls alike have always had you know what i mean it's like this desire to kind of either you know start a problem or to just get somebody's attention to get them to notice you i mean this is why people would you know stand outside of concerts and you know want to get autographs they just want to get some attention from this person that they love yeah. and that they've yeah. seen on tv but you know the floodgates are open for people who want all kinds of attention and right it's right. really and, yeah okay i, I you know, there's a podcast that I love that I listen to, which I highly recommend to anybody. It's called The Read. Um, and this week they were talking about uh, Twitter and and uh, because they have a lot of activity on their Twitter feed and there are young people that listen to their show. And one of the one of the the the, 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 the podcasters on The Read was saying that Twitter should actually be 25 and up or there should be a 25 and up Twitter mm. because at some point, like you're not going to be doing that stuff. And if you are doing that stuff, then you could be held accountable for doing that stuff. Right. Whereas it's hard to like look at a 13 year old and be like, why are you doing this when we know why they're doing it? It's because they're fucking 13 years old. Right. Right. And so, so anyway, so the advice that was given to some of these 13 year olds that were causing shenanigans was listen, just keep living, just keep living. And mm -hmm. you will see later why this isn't that big of a deal and why this is shenanigans. And yeah. so I, you know, I think that with with drag culture uh, and with Twitter culture, when the two meet, there's a lot of LGBT kids that are going through it when they're 13, 14 years old and they need attention. They need to act out. They want to act out. And this is a wonderful anonymous way for them to act out and to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because it's so public, it has it, – it, there's a lot of power that these 13-year-olds all of a sudden have on Twitter, and it's a problem. And, yeah. I, you know, I would totally vote for a 13-year-old to 25-year-old Twitter. Like, right. quite honestly, like, I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, and here's the other thing that happens when you when you marry social media and drag culture and, and all of these younger people who are – being raised in a time of of more tolerance and and you know empowerment empowerment yeah. and social justice and and trigger words and all of that is drag queens never were and don't ever have to be role models yeah right 
I mean, that's right. actually very much not what drag right. does. They drag clawed their way out through this mm -hmm. art forum, and they're empowered and they're great, right? But that doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect, right? They're still human. Right. And, and you know, I, I think anybody who's gone to a drag show or has seen drag queens performers familiar with drag outside of TV-friendly drag race knows that, like, drag queens will say the nastiest shit they'll they'll push the boundaries like this is what drag has always been doing mm -hmm. and so right. to now hold these these performers these fringe in some ways performers accountable for being you know good role models for troubled teenagers it's kind of this and we'll talk about this in a little bit but like it is one of the unfortunate side effects of drag becoming more mainstream is then you you are cast into this role of um somebody people are looking up to somebody people right. are following and aspiring to be like and so that responsibility gets put on your shoulders to then you know not take that lightly but right and rupaul has said this before she, i mean she has said to 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 the the idea of her being a role model like i don't don't look at me it is yeah. not my job to raise you you yeah. have to figure that out for yourself right you have to walk down the, the yellow brick road and yeah. you have to figure it out because i could tell you how it is and how to be, but you wouldn't believe me, right? Absolutely. She always says that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, she and Michelle have both talked about that. Like Michelle talks about with her kids. It's like, I can tell them these things and they can maybe intellectually understand it, but like they're not going to get it till they get it. And yeah. I just yeah. think that that's, and that continues, it's, you know. It's, it's just unfortunate because now kids can make mistakes in a very, very public, dangerous way. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's, for as much as I think is social media, I mean, what what social media has done is opened floodgates, and what comes through those floodgates is everything, the good mm -hmm. and the bad. And mm -hmm. there's you can't really stop one and allow the other. You can't just have, oh, social media lets all of these sort of like lonely, isolated kids connect with other people who they have like a, you know, a similar tribe with. That's great. But it also right. allows all those really angry trolls out there to come in and attack. The yeah, doors are open I mean to everybody. Yeah, that the term cyberbullying became a term in the last, you know, seven years, eight years, mm -hmm. because bullying never went away. All of a sudden, the internet just gave them more power and access to people to be bullied. Yeah. So there just has to be. But the other side of it, and this is to speak to Rue's question, and then we can give our intro, um, is is it our job to stop and go back? And I think that the the only responsibility we do have is not to continue necessarily this coddling culture, but to to make sure that we educate and that we condition our, our younger people in our lives to understand what's what and what's real and, and that they should believe in themselves and what, to, what messages to listen to and what messages are real and that hurt people hurt people and why someone might be saying something to you personally, right? It, it could be just to hurt you, it could there could be truth in it, that, but we have to be able to decipher it. And if we're not looking at things critically, and if we're taking everything at face value, and we're not thinking about things deeply, then yeah, then we're going to get swept up into fake news and swept up into bullying and uh, having our emotions control our lives, which is not what we want. Yeah, and this is a relatively, I mean, in the grand scheme of of time, this is a relatively new 
phenomena or way of having to sort of operate in this world. And for people like us and people who are older who've been around and have been watching the movie longer, we have more context. But for people who are, you know, for, for kids in high school and even, you know, people in their early 20s where this is more of their normal, that means that there are certain there's certain ways of living and there's certain ideas that they don't have another context about. Like there are people who don't know what life is like without Facebook. And so Mm. that's something that I think over time we're going to see develop is people having to then learn. There's going to be social norms that have to get developed around life on social media. And that's something, you know, it's a, it's a responsive thing. And I think we're in a period right now of realizing the need for a responsive education. You know what I mean? Like we're, ex- totally. we're ha- it's, it's a little unmitigated right now. So, so, so Colin, while I love our discussion about social media, our podcast is not just about social media. Why don't you uh, let our listeners know what they're listening to? Oh, if, at this point, if they haven't figured it out, let me just give them a little heads up. They're of course listening to another episode of All Right, Mary. All right, Mary. All right, Mary, which is our podcast dedicated to all things Drag Race, the world of Drag Race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little TV show. And today we've got oh, we've got a whole bunch. We've got a, a whole bunch of great things on the docket. Uh, our main features, though, are we are going to be uh, talking about the season nine premiere party performances, uh, mm. which are all on YouTube. We will we will get you girls links, but. Uh, I think as we're in this place of starting to, you know, trying to get to know these queens before the season starts, this was a really great opportunity to kind of see these queens in action. Uh, And then after that, we will, of course, be continuing our final segment of Give Her Another Take. Oh, Give Her Another Take. Which is our closer look at the season nine queens and really understanding what is it that's bringing them to the Olympics of drag. So, uh, and then make sure to stay tuned. We have a new little feature at the very end of the episode that I think we're both very excited about. Um, so do stay tuned at the very end for that. I wanted to just bring up another issue that happened this week that was it Dan, the squirrel man or a squirrel friend that talked about it. Yes. Uh, and you can maybe fill me in on it. Um, it had to do with Venus delight, Venus delight. Oh my goodness. This is, it's, sad 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 all around so here's the story venus delight is of course feeling the pressures of being one of over a hundred queens uh to be associated with drag race and she's trying to hold on to like why anyone should be booking her and i so what she has you know she's gotten involved in like the rupaul's drag race fan group on facebook and you know wanting to connect with fans get them to get to know her she you know she didn't get to spend much time on the show and and so it's a chance to kind of like give people a reason to like her and so I think what had happened is there was somebody who was in the group or someone that she's friended through the group who had posted something on Facebook about wanting to kill themselves, which is interesting in the context of what we just talked about. And drop so, dead. Drop dead. And so, <laughs> awful, awful, <laughs> awful. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, we're not role models either. And so um, – so then uh, I was a teacher for 10 years and there's a reason why I'm not a teacher anymore because it's very hard to be a role model. It definitely is. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I don't work with kids because I don't know how to not say, you know, get the fuck out of here. With, I don't fuck with the emails cause I used to be one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I guess Venus had reached out to this, this person and messaged and said, Oh, you know, just words of encouragement, kind of talking him off the ledge a little bit. 
and uh, I and then I guess you know it was particularly helpful and then they, they kind of were in touch again and and uh, this fan was saying he was feeling better I I can the fan's name is Jamie this is and I'm not kind of speaking out of turn all this is very sort of public um, but then I guess oh. at some point oh is it <laughs> oh it is I mean I just you know someone's talking about trying to kill themselves I don't want to be like well his name is Jamie it's like I don't know he's it's all out there uh, and so I guess Venus then reached out to Jamie and was like, hey, you know, do you, you know, do you feel like my, my words of encouragement or, or, you know, my message was helpful for you? And Jamie was like, yeah, so definitely. Wait, wait, so wait, wait, wait a minute. So Venus reached out to Jamie and consoled this person. And consoled this person and was like, you know, a, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's not worth it. Kind of all of that. Just being a, a supportive person. And then later they were in touch and i guess you know venus had asked jamie you know after the fact like did you feel that like i was helpful for you and jamie was like yeah definitely like i really you know it definitely helped and venus then said you know would you be willing to do me a favor would you um would you post in the drag race fan group how uh you were feeling suicidal and then i contacted you and it like helped oh. you and made you feel more optimistic about life oh. and then you know, I'll and I'll send you a signed copy of the Ripley's <gasps> Believe It or Not that I'm in, and then like <laughs> a letter or something else. And it was just no. like, yeah. I mean, so Jamie took screenshots oh of god. it. Oh my god! <gasps> yeah. So hashtag receipts. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess as the conversation went on, Jamie was like, you know, I gotta ask you, ask you, like, did you just do this? for you know to get to get you know to help your career he's like i get it like you know your your public persona is important like jamie was being really understanding in these messages but like i just kind of feel like you're doing this just to get you know publicity and venus was like no not at all i promise and he's like well he said honestly jamie was like honestly i would probably have written something eventually when i felt ready but like now you're like here i'll send you gifts if you'll post it now he said it really cheapens this and so and Venus was man. like, no, that's not oh, what I intended, man. blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, stepped in dog shit. Oh, yep. my God. And so these screenshots all got oh. posted, I think, to Reddit. And Oh, I'm so, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so conflicted right now. Yep. Well, and then, then once they got oh posted. Oh, my God, no, stop. Once they got uh. posted, this isn't over. Once they got posted, then Venus commented, she's like, I can't believe you would do this. You know, it's so, and, you know, I was just trying to reach out to you be a, to be a good person. You're clearly just taking out whatever angry feelings out on me and was, like, kind of painting herself as a victim. Venus oh then my. went forward and did a Facebook Live apology to Jamie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's just not – it was not a good idea. It, I, it just wasn't – and as I'm watching it, there's this part of me that's like, oh, my God, this is all just so ridiculous. But then as I'm watching the apology, I'm like, this is – because Jamie had said to, him, it's, it's to Venus at some point, like, can you just please stop contacting me? Can you just leave me alone? Like, I don't oh want your God. gifts. Like, I just – can you just leave me alone? Which is fair. And, like, Venus just keeps pushing it, pushing it. Wow. And, you know, wow. this – and you can watch the you can watch it on Facebook and I'll you can find it. I guess I could post it on Twitter, but I don't think is, we should. I don't really want to, to be honest. I don't want to be like, I'm not telling the story because I'm trying to drag Venus through the mud. I'm. I telling, feel I feel terrible for everybody involved. I feel yeah. I'm. I you know I want to say that I feel bad for Jamie, but I'm kind of like I. 
think at this point I kind of feel more bad for Venus. Yeah. I mean – Is that weird? Is that weird? I mean I'm just kind of like, oh, that's just so sad. It's just that, sad. That this person who's obviously very talented has now found themselves in a situation where they were caught with their pants down essentially. Yeah. And then you try to like get really human about it and it's like it, she didn't go about it the right way. But I guess I could go to this empathetic place of understanding or like I really want to appeal to these fans. I want them to like think of me as somebody other than the girl who went home first on season three, you know. And she saw – and I don't think – I really don't think that, like, Venus saw this guy post something about wanting to kill himself and was like, oh, this is a perfect right. opportunity no. to no. restart my no. career. I no. sincerely doubt that. But I also couldn't – I could understand Retrospectively, for sure. Yeah, uh, seeing yeah. this as a chance. You know, I think um, we – I remember reading an, uh, a, a message from Dan Riley, the squirrel man or whatever – um, that he said, he's like, there is, there, this is something to talk about on the podcast where there are these, these queens that are leaving the show and are very depressed afterwards yeah. because yeah. they, they all of a sudden don't really know their worth anymore. And I, I don't think that's anybody's responsibility, but their own. Yep. I mean, I say that about anybody that, that goes on reality television. I'm like, you know what you're signing up for. Right. If yeah. you're going to put all if you yourself are going to put all of your self-worth into this show and the outcome of a television show that's mass produced for a storyline that's completely edited, then then you're walking into a you're walking into a, a pit of fire with with nothing protecting you. I just yeah. don't think that that it's that it's RuPaul's responsibility i don't think it's necessarily our responsibility granted we can be nice and we can be kind but mm. not everybody is nice and not everybody's kind no we all know that so i for someone like venus or other queens that are struggling with depression i mean it's certainly a problem something needs to be said about it but i think the real action needs to come from the queens it's i mean i think that there's a couple of things i think one is like you know, we talk about this a lot on All Right, Mary, is we never forget this is a TV show. Right. This is just a TV show. It is edited. It is, they're, they're, they have hours of footage, and they choose very specifically what they're going to show you and how they're going to portray each queen. These are There are so many drag queens in the world, and these are the queens that made it onto this season. You, we can't say that any of them are talentless because they're already on what's considered to be like a curation of talented queens. But what can happen is you get a super talented queen who missteps in the first challenge or cracks under the pressure or whatever it may be, has a human moment. And is then human, yeah. Is human. And then News there's flash, this. I'm human. Right. And then there's this public per perception that, oh, that's a terrible queen. Oh, she's an awful drag queen. And right. I can understand how that weighs down on somebody. And and that happens not just necessarily even for the first out, but like a number of queens get that, that you know, because they didn't do well in a certain challenge, they're a terrible queen. Right. And so at the same time, I agree with you that, that, you are given a platform here. Whether you go home first or you win the fucking crown, you have been given a huge platform and you need to prepare to how to use it regardless of when you go home. It is on the queen's shoulders to figure that out. You're being handed something, even if the exception being, I think some queens editing, I do think that editing can be cruel to some queens. I think that 
without giving any spoilers, we're already seeing that with a queen on season nine. Oh, right. Yep. Uh, certainly, the Reddit feels the you know the RuPaul Drag Race sub, subreddit feels so uh, that way, and I agree. Um, but I think you still have a choice of how you respond to that, and and you know, don't get bitter, just get better. All right, so it is now time for our newest, no, now second newest, but my favorite uh, segment, which we call. All right, Amanda. All right, Amanda, which is our segment dedicated to all things Squirrel Friends, the world of Squirrel Friends, and the paradigm that Nick and Amanda have created with this little podcast. Well done. Well Thank you. Done, Thank Mr. you. Colin. Thank you. <laughs> Smooth slid right in there. Oh, yeah. So uh, on this week's episode of Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour, um, there was a fan that uh, I guess wrote in or tweeted in that Amanda's laugh was very similar to Jerry Blanks from Strangers with Candy. And so, of course, my stoner college days came popping up, and I knew exactly the laugh that I could use to show this. So I have a clip of Jerry Blank versus Amanda laughing, and you can hear the absolute uh, sincerity in both and the similarity. So here it is. Wow. 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 I hear it. That is, that is, I, I didn't, cause I didn't, I was like, yeah, I guess so. But I couldn't quite picture it. But oh, now it goes to the same, it goes to the same frequency, the same pitch. Mm-hmm. And it has, um, it just has a similar bounce to it. Oh, it's fabulous. Oh, yeah. well done, Amanda. Yeah. Oh, well done. Well done. Well, you know, I, uh, I decided I I decided I was I was ready to take the next level with the squirrel friends. I friended them on Facebook. Like Oh, oh yeah. Oh the Facebook. The Facebook. Oh, I don't even use Facebook that much anymore. I, like I haven't posted anything in a gazillion years, but it's just a good resource to have and I just thought, you know, let's do this. Let's be real people. Let so them... tell me about them because I don't know I'm not on Facebooks. I just like can't. So I haven't what's done up with I haven't, I haven't, uh, Nick and Amanda, I, I say this sincerely, I have not done any, like, in-depth stalking of your profiles. It's like, okay, oh, okay, yep, no, not. and I, like, I knew what they looked like anyway, because they posted things on Twitter. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I just wanted, I just thought we should be connected. I sent them a message and, you know, told them how excited I was to go into so season nine I'm with g- them. So, I'm, g- I'm going to ask a RuPaul question. So, mm-hmm. who would play them? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, Amanda would be played by <laughs> Rachel Dratch. <laughs> <laughs> No shade. Oh, no I'm sorry. That I just you like set that up. I was like, I, oh, I set up the beach ball. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like spike it to the front row. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was good. Um, Nick, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'm so bad at that game of who would they who would play them. Um, so I don't know. I'd have to get back to you. I've have... seen I've seen pictures of Amanda. She reminds me of a. Um... Amanda Seafried, is that how you say her last yeah. name? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. From Mean Girls slash Dear John slash um, the Mama Mia. Mia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm so bad at this game. I feel like I'd have to 
I don't know what Nick looks like, so I oh. I have zero context for him. His voice, uh, I can't even I can't even you know tell you what his voice would sound like. So yeah, I have no idea. So that would be so. I think that would be a good question back to the Squirrel Friends. Is we now know that that Amanda has been told she resembled Rachel Dratch. Nick, who do you get? Who's your like? Oh, you know who you remind me of? Who's your celebrity doppelganger? Who do you get? Who's your person? That'll help us out. Um, who do you get, Colin? Who do I? Um, I would get um, Daniel Radcliffe. I've gotten a little bit of that. Uh, a little bit of Elijah Wood. Aloha, Mora. Yeah, I, I you know, See, oh, Elijah Wood. Elijah oh, I Wood. Elijah. I, you know, I, the one I get the most though is Angela Bassett. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's the the most accurate. Uh, for yeah. me, um, in college, I used to get um, Dustin Hoffman from The Graduate all mm-hmm. the time because I have this like gigantic nose. Um. So there's that, so there you uh, go, and you know now I just get Louis C.K. So yeah, Louis C.K. Yeah, he's it's. Uh, I'm I'm I can see it. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I can't really see past that enormous nose, so I really can't see the rest of your face. To me, I'm just looking at like an elephant's foot. I don't really know. <laughs> You're just watching the episode, you know, that, that movie Roxanne with right, the, right, exactly. Yeah, your nose part, keeps yeah. hitting the camera. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, anyway, so all right, uh, all right, Amanda. So we d- we do want to know how your rash is doing. How's the um, rash? I was, yeah. I was very concerned. I was like, oh, is this a heat rash? Is this? Well, I, I you know, you should have yeah. taken a screenshot or something. So yeah, right. Like picture it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's it's just you know out there dating with a rash. It's brave. It's bold. It's beautiful. Oh, Live your yeah, truth. that's right. I'm so happy to hear that you're that you're dating. Uh, and that you're no longer with that guy. Um, so, you know, keep us keep us abreast, no pun intended, yeah, uh, yeah. of your dating life. Um, right. we, we will not send you any dick pics, but uh, we, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're happy to receive the ones you get. So. Sure, yeah, feel free to share the wealth. Um, I, I might have some I've been sent, I can send in response, but... Oh, man, I think I've, the last time I saw a penis that wasn't my own was like, I don't know, two or three years ago, Mary. So. Oh, man, oh, God. <laughs> Um, well, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, is that I have been, I've been laughing, they were laughing about this in their last episode, talking about all stars, when, um, when Chad Michaels is talking about Mary Wilson from the Supremes, and he says, one word, a legend, and it's like, well, that's two words, and I just can't stop laughing about that, it's so stupid. One word, a legend. A legend. It's so like Valerie Cherish in a weird way, yeah, you right, know. Right. Um, it reminds me of when Valerie Cherish is like, um, "Oh, it's the ozone police." <laughs> Remember right. that when the ozone was a problem? <laughs> right. Now everybody right. just talks about global warming. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. And there's something. Remember like, that when the ozone that? was a problem? Remember that, you guys? Remember that? Like sort of like a, with a with a like scrunched up smile. Remember that, you guys? <laughs> Jane, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry, sorry. Um, so I did want to say also um, is that they mentioned that uh, that their schedule might change uh, for recording. Oh, yeah. Um, so they would be publishing on Mondays now, and they were they were kind of apologizing to us and hoping that that was okay. And yeah, of course it's okay. Like so, what? Who cares? You know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah okay, publish on the same day. They're they're gonna listen to us one way or another. 
Uh, and for our lovely commuters, you know, it's only going to help, right? You have a commute there, listening to All Right, Mary, uh, or Squirrel Friends, and on the way back, the other one. So, yeah. I don't know. I think I it's think, a good thing. I think that we are making Mondays fabulous again together. We are. We yeah, are, now that Drag Race isn't on Mondays, you know. Right, right. Get your recaps on Mondays. Honestly, <laughs> this is like the best thing that can happen to Drag Race recap listeners. Is like if I, as a listener, would be like, oh my God, I have so much on Monday. And, you know, you can kind of space it out if you want. But, right, um, right. But certainly, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's kind of great. I know I'm sort of excited to have us come out at the same time and be like, okay, let's see what the Squirrel Friends had to say, you know? Yeah, uh, the, the thing that makes me kind of sad is that we won't be able to listen to theirs and then comment on it on our podcast. Right, uh, right. That week, it'll be like a week delay, and right. I don't know if continuity is going to be the same, but well, we have Twitter for that now. So Yeah, and the reality is that once a season starts, like – when All Stars Two started, it was like we can't we can't wait we can't do any other mini features we have to get right, right to the episode right, right, like right, right, I right. I get really you know um, I get fussy <laughs> in my baby seat <laughs> I get fussy in my hospital bed you know? yeah yeah and uh, and it's just like no we got to get to it and so um, it was gonna happen anyway that Bed's we were gonna start itching yeah they start itching you know it's it's kind of like I feel like this this sheet is fusing to my back. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we got some, uh, we got a couple of great emails this week, uh, and we also got some Twitter messages as well this week. We've got, we got, a, we got, we heard, actually, we got some great emails, some great Twitter messages, and a couple of iTunes reviews this week. We've had a really good week. All right, Mary. Not for nothing. And in case you want to get in on that, obviously you can follow us at Twitter, on Twitter at All Right Mary. You can join our now 85 followers. 85 uh, we passed the year i was born yeah we are on the year i was born so i'm feeling really good about you this young bitch yep just young just twink just serving you supple realness yeah um, hospital bed realness hospital yeah. bed realness yeah yeah you know uh <laughs> god um and so uh if yeah, if you want to get in on that, you can also uh, email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail dot com, and you can also go over to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating, like five other wonderful people have. So uh, we had a couple of emails this week we wanted to talk about. Do you want to start with any? Yeah, I just want to give a big shout out to Nora in Ireland, uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, she's she's pretty spectacular. Um, she was just you know sending us some love, and I just wanted to send some love right back. You know, most queens, including Katya, um, and I think Peppermint even said it, that that Ireland is actually the best place to do a drag show. Really? Um, yeah, there's a really active drag culture there. And when I was there with the chorus that I conduct, we uh, we stayed in Dublin, and we actually we were raising money for marriage equality in Ireland, um, and we raised fifty thousand dollars with our concert. Uh, it was at the biggest hall there. Actually, it was. Uh, Man, it was like close to 5,000 people. And uh, it was pretty amazing because it was co-hosted by Panty Bliss, who is a very active um, drag queen there and very uh, socially aware and socially active. She was doing a lot of work for marriage equality in Ireland. Um, and she is a class act. Uh, if she were 
she would never be on Drag Race because she is another RuPaul. You know, right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. She's that sort of level of drag. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Panty Bliss. And there's a bar in Dublin, I think, called Panty Bliss uh, oh. that we went to, the gay bar. And uh, yeah, it was fabulous. So uh, if you're ever in Dublin, um, try, try to look for Panty Bliss. And uh, maybe hook up with Nora. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Nora, uh, thank you so much uh, for your email. Was well, it Nora? It was Nina. I think it was Nina. Oh, Nina, right? Not Nora, because yeah. it was Northern Ireland. Nina, excuse me. Nina in Northern uh, Ireland. Salancha, Nina. Um, I used to work at Bennigan's, so I know Salancha, home of a thousand smiles. Uh, yes. <laughs> Oh, um, so, <laughs> so Nina, Nina, not to be confused with Nina Bonina Brown or Nina no. Simone, but right. Nina, um, thank you, not Nora. Uh, I don't have the email in front of me, um, but thank you so much. Uh, another message that we got uh, from Kathy McPhee on Twitter. She sent us a direct message talking about. I call her. I call her Kathy McIron because of F E. <laughs> okay, well, Sister Mary McIron. Um, <laughs> so we got an we got a direct message on Twitter from Sister Mary McIron, and she was talking about how RuPaul has said in the past, you know, that this show is never going to go mainstream. I'm never on like the late night talk show circuit or like the talk talk show circuit at all. And of course, what's interesting is that RuPaul, in promoting season nine, was recently on the Late Show with um, Seth Meyers and was on Good Morning America. And I, you know, I didn't even see. Kathy's message I but I was actually watching those clips just recently and so I, I kind of wanted to talk about them anyway so I'm glad she brought it up because what she was saying was like well you know with RuPaul kind of like on these mainstream platforms now talking like what does that kind of mean you know and like what what does that implicate you know or what does that imply right right and, right you know my immediate reaction was this it's a good thing it's a good thing in the same way that moving to VH1 Start. is a good thing. Because if mm-hmm. you watch those clips and you watch, like, what, the way that RuPaul talks about Drag Race, and he's so good at this stuff. Like, all the advice he gives these girls, he takes and he practices himself. And he talks, and the way, because you watch multiple clips, you see he kind of has some of the same things, same ways he talks about the show. But one of the best things that he says about it is, like, this show is for everybody. This show is about, you know, the tenacity of the human spirit and these kids who come through this show, like, how hard they've worked and, and, and what they've come from and, and how they've built themselves up and the lessons they learn along the way. Like, that's how she's talking about Drag Race. And I love that. I love that, like, RuPaul— It's not just a Project Runway top model type of show, that there's— that one of the reasons we love this show is that there is a much deeper thing going on with this show. Yeah. It's so much bigger than just a runway competition. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really the message that RuPaul has gone out with in talking about the show. It'd be so easy for him to talk about it as like, oh, we got these fierce queens and drama and looks and excitement. It'd be so easy to go there and just talk about the show that way. <clears throat> but RuPaul is so intentional about talking about what's driving the show and what ideals are driving him. And I just think like this is great. I mean, I I understand like there's that sense of like, oh, Something gets a little something gets a little bit lost when RuPaul's on Good Morning America. You know what I mean? And it's not RuPaul's fault. It's really like the the person who's interviewing him. It's like, oh God, you're such an outsider to this. But and sure. and there's a bit of exoticizing sort of, him. Sure. Mm-hmm, and there's a bit of kind of like we gotta we gotta play it down for you. We gotta like you know dumb it down a little bit for you. But, there are people that have no idea what drag is. Yeah. There are people that have. 
no idea really who RuPaul is. Right. So, you know, you imagine these these newscasters or these people that are interviewing him, like they're like, oh, you're going to be inter- interviewing RuPaul tomorrow. It's like, who? Right. What? And right. it's just this weird uh, – Yeah, you have no idea what to expect. Uh, well, and, and RuPaul is – I think RuPaul said it on his podcast this week, but like – you know, I'm a I'm a tall, tall black man, and I've always been just very kind. Uh, you you don't have to be threatened by me. You're only yeah. gonna be, get kindness from me. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things, you know, I mean, he says, I think, in the interview with Seth Meyers, you know, he he says the line we all know as fans, like, you know, you're born naked and the rest is drag. And I thought that's such a great message to give to people who don't get drag it's such a it's such an entryway in because it makes you think about what drag really is and it makes you think about oh i guess i could identify with this i guess i could connect with this because isn't it true that like everything i do is drag everything when i go to work and i wear something in particular i dress a certain way that's drag you know yep and so it's i think it's a good thing i really do and i think that all of this is in the context of there is a window that's open right now and rupaul talks about that all the time there's a window that's open and you have to take advantage of it sure so i think do do, do i think that do i think that drag is going to become mainstream just because rupaul was on good morning america no i don't Mm -hmm. i think that it's still going to be looked at as something to gawk at as something that is othered so i don't think it's going to be mainstream just because she's on these shows so while rupaul did say you know you're never going to see me on these talk shows she was wrong but i also don't think that you're going to see bianca del rio on these talk shows or any of these contestants i think it depends i mean i think you know there's i I think what we're seeing with drag race now and we we talk about this all the time as the seasons evolve there are certain types of drag that people become comfortable with and people are okay okay with and then there's certain types of drag that people are not ready for and so there's there's even there's gradients in terms of like I think that there's the sort of standard which RuPaul has really kind of given people context for is the glamazon drag. And that's the kind of drag I think people are most comfortable with because that's what RuPaul has been for so long. But then, you know, you get a Nina Bonina Brown, you get a Milk, you get somebody who, you know, you get these Bushwick queens who are doing something that doesn't prescribe to those sort of like drag ideals of like femininity and fishiness and passing. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm not ready for that you know so it it'll be interesting to see but i i think i think there will always be elements of drag that will be on the fringe and i think i like i don't see all of drag all forms of drag becoming this mainstream thing but i think that we will see to some extent and we are seeing to some extent more of a comfort and an interest in it but like it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm okay with that. Oh, you look like a woman. That's crazy. I can't tell that you're a man. People are people are kind of excited by that type of drag when it's like, oh, you're fooling me. It's, you know, people like the, the magic trick of that. But I don't know if people are ready to think about it in all of the other ways that drag's being used, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there, you know what? There was one other thing we were going to talk about uh, in terms of Sister Mary Shane, right? Ah, you mean, uh, please welcome to the stage, Miss Bubble Vicious. Ah. Uh, yes. Uh, just a very quick shout out to our sister Mary Shane, um, who started doing improv again. Um, congrats. Um, she lives in Amsterdam. If there's any Marys, any other listeners in Amsterdam, please reach out uh, to me and Colin at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com and let us know that you're in Amsterdam. Um, because Shane 
is looking for more people to connect with uh, for drag race viewing parties or just to talk about drag race in Amsterdam. Uh, there's got to be some more listeners yeah. in Amsterdam, right, Colin? Yeah. Oh, I, I should hope so. And I love the idea of people finding each other through All Right, Mary. This would just be... Ugh. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, would, I would just... I would try to stand up out of my hospital bed as a moment of triumph. I would let my shaky, swollen, fluid-filled legs rise up with the help of a walker and a nurse so that I could say, yes, we've accomplished something. Oh, si se puede. Okay. Um, Well, let's move on. Uh, Again, Amsterdam, let us know. Um, Let's move on to our our next segment. which we like to call now, Give Her Another Take. Yes, Give Her Another Take, which is, of course, our closer look at the season nine queens before we go into the season, and really to get a sense of, as I said earlier in this episode, what they're doing on season nine. Like, what can we get excited about? What do we need to know about these queens before we start? And so we've got five queens that we're going to be talking about today, which uh, I am going to be giving a closer look into Aja, Sasha Valor and Nina Bonina Brown. And I'm going to be doing Alechich Michel and Peppermint. Yes. So uh, I, I can start first with Aja because I think that when I think about the ways that we talked about her in our Meet the Queens episode uh, a number of weeks back, I think I know that my, my perspective and my point of view on Aja has changed dramatically since then. Me too, although I'm still bothered that, you know, about the name thing. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of a I'm a, I'm a petty bitch. <laughs> she's she's 22, Mary. She's 22. Yeah. Uh, All right. You All know, right. Again, 25 and up Twitter. Okay. Right. So uh, and granted, I get there's probably 20. I mean, that being said, there's Violet Trotsky who knows her references and she's like, you know, seven. So. Uh, it's all relative, right? So to our twenty-two-year-old well, seven fans, was the, was her her waistline, right? Seven. Yeah, seven. yeah. Lucky bitch. So, um, you know, seven is like the width of my ankle, uh, and so, <laughs> especially if I had a lot of salt, you know, uh, this this thing swells. And so anyway, oh, God. Uh, uh, Aja Aja's real name is Jay Rivera. Aja's twenty-two is a Brooklyn queen. Uh, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but, uh, you, you know, it, it bears mentioning that we did get to see the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of season nine from somebody recording it from the premiere party. And so I don't want to go too deep into it because we both agreed that we didn't want to talk about that until it became – sometimes Logo releases, like, a preview before the season starts. And so I don't want to talk about what we saw in that clip until it's publicly available. But I will say right. that, like – it was mentioned from another queen that like, oh yeah, Aja's like the Brooklyn queen that like, that's the name on everybody's lips in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we first talked about her, there was kind of this sense of like, well, she seems like young, but interesting. And she's got some cool lip syncs. And I would say, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. One of the things that, that changed my mind the most about Aja or told me everything I needed to know about Aja was her performance at the premiere party. It was, and these clips, again, the, we will post these on Twitter. They're all on YouTube. If if you have or have not seen Paris is Burning, watch it again. But Aja comes out 
wearing something very similar to what Pepper LaBeija wears in the beginning of Paris is Burning. There's this like big, very, there's this sense of like homemade drag, this gold opulent eleganza with reveals. Like there's this, it, it feels like, it feels very much like an homage to that look. And I'm assuming it was, I'm assuming she was aware of her references. And so that alone was amazing. And then her performance. Do you think she made? Do you think she made that, or do you think somebody made that for her, Colin? I th- I'm gonna say she made it. I'm gonna give her the credit and say she made it. Okay. I don't know, okay. but All right. there's an element to Aja's drag that, like, because even even that look, it was great. But there was that sort of I like when you can tell somebody made it. You know, we talk about DIY. This, DIY. Yeah, yeah, we talk about this with like Jinx's Day of the Dead look. I like that uh-huh. I know that you made this and that there's okay. a sense of assembly here okay. because right. it it kind of it's it's an interesting throwback, you know, to like the ball culture and like you just you find the materials or you steal them or you do what you ever have, whatever you have to do to create this illusion. And there's something that I've seen in different performances of Aja's where the look. And she gets criticized for this, where the look is a little bit rough, but in the context, in the context of like Aja, this Brooklyn queen who's kind of like giving you this like, you know, uh, ball queen realness, it works. It makes sense. I mean, to kind of throw back to the beginning of our our podcast, it's all about context. And I, I'm just starting to feel like Aja in context makes a lot of sense as a Brooklyn queen, and. That being said, so maybe the maybe the look, the style, whatever, is a little. There's a roughness to some of her looks. I'm okay with that. I think that that's there's a there's a place at the table for for rough around the edges drag because her performances are tight. I mean, right. so that's why she's on season nine. Yeah, because she uh, she can lip sync, she can move, she's got nuance, she is precise. I really feel like, you know. Everything can be said by watching her premiere part, uh, her premiere party performance. It was fabulous. It was fabulous. She does that really, really amazing Vogue walk into uh, a split, a death drop split. Like it, it was gasping. Yeah. For air, like I, worthy. She also she does a lip sync to uh, Chris Brown's "Look at Me Now," and it is, you know, a, I love a queen who's going to be like, oh, I'm going to do a lip sync to a guy. I'm into that, but. It's tight. I mean, she, it's real. She, I, she's a queen to watch. I'm, I don't know how she's going to do it in the show. Obviously, I have no idea. But if or when she has to lip sync, I think that she is, I think that she's fierce competition there. And I'm actually, I'm really excited in the context of this like Brooklyn queen sort of aesthetic. I'm really excited to see what she does on the show. Well, I guess I'll go with uh, Peppermint next. Uh, Peppermint has been around uh, the drag scene for quite a while, for 20 plus years. Peppermint is actually trans, um, and I think that's pretty well known. Um, And that's a fairly new thing, um, and she was worried about how she was going to be viewed on the show, whether she was going to be embraced by the other queens, and um, spoiler alert, like, She's fine on the show. Everybody embraces her. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, the one uh, one thing that I found out about her that you would appreciate, Colin, is she is considered to be the nicest performer in the entire scene of drag. Oh, I I love that. That's that's my yeah. kind of queen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and somebody said that if they call her caddy, it's because it's because they, no, if they say differently, that they're just being caddy. Mm-hmm. So uh, she is known for being on that web show, Queens of Drag. 
uh, which oh. featured a lot of New York Queens. So Peppermint is actually on there. So you can actually find that on YouTube. Um, she made her name for herself um, at the tunnel curfew parties in the 90s. Now, being from New Jersey and having a fake ID, I know about tunnel curfew parties. Uh, they were pretty insane. And it was when people would wear um, like candy necklaces Ugh. and they would have pacifiers because they'd be on ecstasy and yeah, like makeup. And it was just, it was a club scene. So it was one of those things. Um, one of, uh, there was a very funny video that uh, she put out with Sherry Vine called Make Me Moan, which is a parody of Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. And uh, Peppermint plays Beyonce's part. And uh, some of the lyrics are, Boy, that little thing you got won't make me come no faster. Won't make me call you master. Makes me break out in laughter. Uh, don't great. even have no KY. Uh, KY, this is a disaster. So anyway, uh, so the other thing that's notable about Peppermint is that besides the fact that she made cameos on Ugly Betty and Real World Brooklyn, is uh, she's actually very close with that gay rapper Caswell, who I flood my basement for. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, he... I think he did uh, soccer. What is it? Soccer practice. That song. I, that was. Um, I think that was the. That was Johnny McGovern. That was the game. Oh, him. oh, love him, love him. Yeah, too. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Caswell. He had one. It was some um, like some sort of ice cream related one. I remember oh, that. Oh right, 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 right. Wasn't it Beyonce uh, at Burger King? Yeah, yes, she, yes. Yeah, he mm -hmm. did Beyonce. Eat, uh, I saw. I saw Beyonce at Burger King. She was eating. She was eating. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. back to Peppermint. Um, so Peppermint, um, if you, uh, from the premiere party, she, I think she lip syncs to a live song is what she did. Um, mm -hmm. it's actually a great, uh, performance. She's been around forever. There are so many videos of her on YouTube. Uh, so many looks. I think the fact that she's on season nine, um, obviously she's super talented and super nice. And I think that that's what is being rewarded here is that that somebody that nice and that consistent should be on Drag Race. People should know about. Um, she And it's not because she's trans. It's because she's she's put in a lot of fucking work and yeah. has a lot of nerve to keep going, especially around all these young kids. And, you know, has managed to keep it fresh. She has performed songs. Um, she's put out singles. Uh, she has she has this career and i think that this platform is only going to make it bigger um so whether the rumors are true that she goes home first or not um she certainly has a place in this legacy so uh that's that's all i got for peppermint there's so much to see for her but i'll definitely post the make me moan video with sherry vine yeah and that that queens of drag series on youtube is great it's so worth watching bianca is featured on it Acid Betty's featured on it. It's really, um, it's such an interesting, because I feel like when those videos were filmed. Mimi I'm First is on it. Mimi I'm First is on it. Like, it was it was during a period of, New I lived in New York when they filmed it. And so it's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember, I remember when Chelsea looked like that. Yeah. Like, it was, um, <laughs> it's great. It's a really great time capsule of, like, a very specific time. Uh, it's great. It's a really great series. So uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do Nina next. I'm gonna save Sasha. Nina Bonina Brown. Uh, Nina is uh, I, her first name's Pierre. I could not find Nina's uh, boy name last name, but Pierre is 34 and is uh, a Georgia queen, an Atlanta queen. And I mean Nina, you know, again, I kind of said at the beginning of this, like 
some of the other queens that we have, maybe I said this before we started recording, that I feel like the, some of the other queens we were talking about, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so what is it about this queen? I don't know, like, what is it about Trinity Taylor? What is it about Eureka? You know, whereas queens like Nina Bonina Brown, I know exactly what it is from the moment I saw her. I was like, oh, I know why you're on this show because you're fucking amazing. Like, I felt that way from the start about Nina Bonita Brown. And I feel like at this point, if other people don't feel the same way, it's like, here are some things that you need to see. A, she's done a Transformations with James St. James on uh, the World of Wonder series mm, yeah, about a year ago. Fabulous. Totally worth watching. Yeah. Um, really just because what Nina does, I mean, she's a makeup artist, but she's she takes it to the point of like special effects. I mean, she's she's doing makeup unlike we've seen other queens doing at least in this you know in the drag race world you know i think that the only one i mean obviously i think acid betty there's a similarity in terms of like Mm. taking it to that next level and going oh you're not just doing drag queen you're doing like you're you're going into a whole different realm and i love that and it's what's interesting is there's also a there's a similarity with like the way trixie mattel is doing drag where she's doing these these harsh exaggerations and I don't I don't say harsh in a bad way I just mean like in no way is she trying to give you a sense of realness she's giving you the, these exaggerations of these of these features and a sort of character and an interesting elevation um, but Nino Bonita can do I mean she can do glamour drag she can she can paint herself to look like an animal uh, as we saw in the premiere party she had this whole like gorilla thing which you know was was interesting and uh, uncomfortable in a good way uh but i think that my favorite transformation or my favorite thing that nina bonina brown does is her jasmine masters impression oh oh fabulous yes oh wait i have seen it i have seen it i have seen it i've definitely seen it but i thought okay i definitely have seen it and it is fabulous it's fabulous. fabulous I would love to see Nina do that on Snatch Game. It would just be so brilliant to bring Jasmine <laughs> Masters to Snatch Game. Uh, I just you a know, wonderful homage to Jasmine Masters. Yeah, totally. Because she's she she's just so specific and quote here it comes nuanced about Jasmine Masters <laughs> that like she's clearly not making fun of her. She's just doing an impression of her. Right. And it's right. it she's great. I just think that my my feelings on Nina Bonita Brown is that she she's doing much like I'm feeling excited about her the way I felt excited about Acid Betty and that like, oh, even though Acid Betty personality wise, I wasn't super excited about when she first came out. What I love about her is like, oh, you're going to give me something I ha- I'm not seeing anybody else do. You're going to you're thinking outside the box. You're you're going to different places with drag and you're doing what I think a queen like Milk was doing. It's like, let's just push this a little bit further. Let's just see if we can go in this direction. Let's see if we bring this idea in. And I think that Nina really represents that and and is pushing the boundaries of what drag race fans are seeing of drag. Okay. Right. And so she's I think I don't know how she's going to do on the show. I think she's a she's obviously she's a fierce drag queen, but I think regardless of how she does on the show, similar to a Milk or a Vivacious or any of these other queens who kind of bring us something new that we're not seeing, she's expanding the reach of what drag race is showing people and that alone is worth it Mm. oh fabulous well i was a fan of hers since the meet the queens videos so i'm only happy to hear that uh it's it's even more than that yeah yeah she's got so much to offer she's the kind of queen where i want her to go far because i just think she's going to give us something new every 
every episode, every runway. It's going to be new and different. And she's, I just think that that's exciting. Right. Um, so the next one is Alexis Michelle, um, Alex Michaels, who is 30. You know, I feel like Alex Michaels is my age. And on the show, it said he was 31. Maybe he's 32 now. Um, mm. But okay, let's just say he's 31. Alex Michaels went to University of Michigan with me. Uh, we graduated the same year. He is a very, very lovely, lovely man. Um, for Alti, um, we actually, I took him out to dinner before I took him to see your play, Colin, to the French That's Festival. That's right. That's right. He, I mean, he did come see my play. Oh. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I would love to play that part someday because it, you know, it, it, the main person is a drag queen. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, that, you know, that's just some interesting trivia. To manifest that. Saw... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He saw Colin's play um, about a drag queen going home for Mother's Day. Anyway, um, so Alexis Michelle, I, I didn't really need to look up Alexis Michelle because I have seen Alexis Michelle in every single show that she's ever done hmm. um, in, in some form or the other. Uh, the way she got famous, if you don't know already, she was skyrocketed to fame when she was in a competition in New York called So You Think You Can Drag, and it was Broadway week, and she did a reveal. Uh, she played the witch from Into the Woods doing the witch's rap. So there's no more fuss and there's no more things and my garden thrives you see my nectarines so she does that whole rap and she's wearing this really hideous wig mask and costume and then she the music starts to change and she goes back and forth and then she spins and everybody drops dead and gags <laughs> I still because she reveals she reveals face she reveals body she reveals glam and it is absolutely stunning um, and I believe that that was her first or second competition that she's ever done. Wow. Um, and after that, she went on. The prize for that was, was that you get your own show at the green room at New World Stages. It's kind of like in the little bar area um, by all of those theaters. I think there's like three or four theaters there. Um, and, yes, yeah, so every Friday night she'd have a show at around 8 or 9 o'clock uh, for about an hour or two, depending on the crowd. And I, I have taken most of my friends that like drag to see Alexis Michelle do Alexis Lives or Alexis Lives, uh, which is the name of her show. And I have to, I got to tell you, Colin, she loves to sing live. Like that is her thing. That is her spin. That's what she was trained in in college as a musical theater queen. Um, she has this lovely baritone voice, and she, uh, notably, she does every Barbra Streisand song you can think of. Mm -hmm. um, uh, obviously the one that I love that she does is Don't Rain on My Parade um, she's fabulous at singing that song and then the other one that I love that she does is the song that's Everything's Coming Up Roses from Gypsy mm -hmm. the one it's like Mama's Turn I think it's called um, it's like really epic and she sings it live and it is fabulous and she does it in drag and you're like well Mama Rose could be a drag queen like on Broadway, it could be played by a man. It could. Mm -hmm. They'd have to change the keys or at least bring it down the octave. But it's it sounded great, and I love when she does it. So she – the other thing that I should mention that I love and I always call out whenever she asks for um, requests from the audience, I always ask her 
to do 212 by Azalea Banks. Mm -hmm. And you've seen her do that. that. She lip syncs the shit out of that song. She knows every fucking word. And then she also does a bounce split uh, jump um, uh, at, you know, the one of the choruses. So that is also notable. Um, She's great at banter um, with the audience. Like she is just natural at talking to people. She has a lot of hashtags. She has a hashtag tag a bitch, hashtag subway fish, which I think we talked in a previous episode where she uh, goes on the subway in, uh, with her face all painted up, but still wearing her boy clothes and takes pictures of herself. Um, and it's just fabulous. She's also, um, I've seen her at the Albatross and Astoria. Um, she loves going to the Albatross and Astoria because we just love her there and we're just thirsty for drag performances. Um, and yeah, she does, she does her whole show. She sings live. Uh, what my, I gotta tell you this very interesting story about Alexis Michelle. So I knew her back when, right? I knew her when she was dressing in drag as a 19 year old and, uh, she was Alexis Michelle still back then. She was waiting tables at the out bar in Ann Arbor in drag. And I don't think she knew kind of what type of drag queen she was supposed to be. You know, at some point I thought she was kind of like a chola queen and she was just kind of this like Jewish princess queen. And, you know, she, she's, um, she's just kind of come into her own as this theater queen. And the first time I saw it was when I reconnected with her, she started performing regularly at this, um, kind of CD bar called the fairy tale, fairy tale lounge, uh, which is right around the corner from hardware on 10th and I think like 53rd. And um, it's it was crazy. I went in there and I I almost didn't stay because I didn't see her. And it was like, you know, nine o'clock and I it was supposed to start at nine and she wasn't there. And there were like two other people there. And there was this um, this trans woman walking around making sure everybody touched her boob. And I had to touch her boob. and It was really sweaty. It was really gross. Anyway, it was fine. She was very sweet. But she also like reminded me of somebody's uncle. But um, she she so anyway, so Alexis comes in and like a fucking performer, like a professional, she doesn't give a shit that there's four people there. She performed the shit out of Man of La Mancha by Linda Edder. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know that performance or uh, that that song, but it is an epic drag song to sing. And she was wearing this caftan. And she gets on the bar and she's lip syncing to this song. And it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, my God, Alexis, this is this is your drag. This is your drag. This is fucking perfection. And I remember afterwards, you know, we it ended after an hour. She she lip sunk to a bunch of songs. And, and then she's like, hey, let's let's go back to my I think she had like a publicist uh, publicist at the time. Let's go back to my publicist place. Uh, let's hang out. So I went back to their place and hung out with her. And I remember hearing the conversation that they were having. They were trying to figure out how to get her better gigs because she wasn't getting gigs after 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. They were all like before 9 p.m. or before 10 p.m. And she had one great gig at uh, the West End Club up on the Upper West Side where uh, she was performing with Britta Filter, um, which was a great kind of variety show that she had. And I believe she was in she – was, she was about to go into So You Think You Can Drag. This was before So You Think It Could Drag. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just trying to figure shit out. Um, we went back to her apartment after that. Don't believe me, nothing. nothing yeah, all right, Mary, happened. where's the story going? Yeah. I, I mean, as, as much as like, 
I, I, I wouldn't have minded it. Uh, you know, we're friends and you know, my number one rule is you don't fuck your friends. So, um, so anyway, she was showing me all of these things that she had made these amazing headpieces and her whole apartment, uh, which is this gorgeous apartment in the West village. Um, her whole apartment was just like, it was like a drag queen threw up in there, like with sequins everywhere. And cause she was getting ready to do drag. Um, she is just the nicest queen. Um, and she is very smart and incredibly talented. Uh, and I hope that she goes far. I have a feeling that she will. And if she doesn't go far, she's she is the type of queen that is going to figure out how to work. Like, because yeah. that's what she did. Even with no with no drag race, she was able to be a full time drag queen um, by working, you know, four or five nights a week as a drag queen um, with with a day job where she did hair and makeup for a photographer. So that's that's all my tea on Alexis Michelle. Um, she is she has auditioned for this show since season one, season two. Um, I think she saw it season one and then started uh, auditioning season two. She this has been a long time coming, and I can't wait to see what she does on the show. So I hope she doesn't bring out Chris Jenner as her snatch game character. I hope it is uh, Barbara Streisand, but that's just wishful thinking. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if anything, the fans, as we know, are just salivating over Alex uh, out of drag. And that will that'll carry a queen. That'll help a queen out. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think the Reddit might be uh, generating a new hashtag for her of daddy queen. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, and so finally... The last queen that we'll be talking about this week in our final segment of Give Her Another Take is, of course, Miss Sasha Valore. Now, Sasha oh, Valore... Oh, Colin, I can't wait to tell you my reaction to that premiere party video. Yes. Well, Sasha is... <laughs> Sasha's real name is Sasha. Sasha Steinberg, 29, Brooklyn. I could... I could go on. I could go on about the number of things I love about Sasha and the nuance and the this and that and there's that performance and this one. I could do all that. I thought instead, I found this clip. So Sasha Valore, she's curated this this monthly performance in Bushwick called Nightgowns. And it's uh, the way that she describes it on her website is Nightgowns is a monthly drag show dedicated to smart, artistic, and queer positive performance, which mm. already you've got me. But then I found Wagging clip, fingers. Wagging fingers. Right? Fingers. Well, just you wait, because then I found a clip of Sasha Valore talking about what drag does. And I just thought that maybe instead of me going on and on, I could just have Sasha Valore, because if she's not telling you from her performance at the premiere party why she's on this fucking show, let me let her tell you what drag does and why she needs to be on this show. So I'm going to play that clip right now for us. What drag does is it takes normative narratives. The songs that we hear around us every day, the imagery, the characters that we surround ourselves with, and it squeezes our fabulous little queer bodies into it. And that shifts the meaning of that culture, of those normative stories, of stories of love, of beauty, and we put our bodies in it. Yes. And it changes it and makes it weird and makes it fabulous. Right now, we need that more than ever. As you know, we are in a time of violence because even next Friday, we are going to welcome a cabinet of white supremacists to control this country, taking what many queer and brown people have known for a long time, that this country, that progress in this country has not been linear and that we are not done with the fight yet for it. 
And drag is a place where we can transform that fight into something beautiful and present. And the fight for beautiful and awakened, the future of drag, the thing we talk about all the time and think about, needs to be more than just a wink and a nudge that culture here is wrong. It needs to be actually radically imagining new types of beauty, radically reevaluating yeah! re the world around us and writing new stories, fresh stories that put queer people right at the forefront and put our values of beauty and safety and home and love right up there at the top. And we get to do that all through entertainment. Yeah, let me confirm my notes. Oh, yes. Oh, I wrote this and I like it, so I'm going to read it. We need to start posing alternatives. Femme, faggy, hairy, butch queen, fat vampire alternatives. I think that about covers it. That finally give us something beautiful to celebrate. <laughs> and we will do that in our own home, which is here in this nightclub tonight. Radical dreamers, and it is you, the audience, who co-sign our fantasies tonight, who get to be the revolutionaries, and take these ideas out into the world out there, and keep co-signing them, even after the show's done. So, you are all entrusted with a job tonight, and I know from the beauty and the excitement and the love in each and every one of your faces that you're going to be the best revolutionaries ever, the most glamorous. Let's get this started, shall we? I just felt that, that was is, worth. That is, that is fabulous. Yep. That yeah. is everything I needed. Yep. I, she is now my number one favorite. She is the one I'm rooting for. She needs a much larger platform than this yeah. podcast. I know. I know. I saw that clip and I was like, there it is. There's so I mean, I would just goosebumps the first time I watched that. It's so, and I should give some context. This was in January of 2017, a week before the inauguration. I should have given that context. I think this applies either way. Uh, and what I love about that, I mean, there's, uh, I could, I could break that speech down into a million parts that I love the most. But what I, what really excited me was uh, when she says that the audience are the co-signers of these fantasies long after this performance is over, and. What that reminded me of, because Sasha is at Katya levels for me. I'm like that in love with her already. But what I love about what Sasha is doing here and what Katya does is that they're inviting you into their drag. They're inviting you to be a part of it. There's this like, let's, uh. let's have this together. Let's do this together. I want to let you in on what this story is. And, and it's like, that's, I mean, I can talk about Sasha, the, 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 emotionally intelligent performances that she does and and the meaning and the drama and the yes the nuance of of what she does and what she brings but it's this it's this fucking thesis that she's got that to me i was like that's it you done. are done sold you are the future of drag absolutely so that is why sasha valore is on season nine so Thank you, uh, Colin, for doing Three Queens uh, and for definitely sharing that clip of Sasha Valora. I gotta say, uh, doing giving these queens another take has been um, really refreshing and really positive for me. 
instead of just kind of seeing a two minute clip and then making up my mind about a queen. Now I'm kind of, you know, doing a deeper dive, really thinking critically about these queens and giving them all a shot, even though one of them is going to be voted off after the second episode. Um, I think it's important that we kind of see arts for what they are and that it is personal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's just, you know, maybe in some ways this is also kind of in a way responsive to what we were talking about at the top of the episode is like these are human beings and like they're none of them are talentless and none of them are undeserving of of what platform they're being given right now. So let's understand what they're doing here. Um, Another way that we uh, can learn a little about these queens, and we've said this before and I'll say it again, uh, we will post these clips on Twitter and they're worth checking out, is the premiere party performances. There was the New York premiere party on March 9th, and it was a really great chance to get to see all these queens in action before the season starts, which can be great, in particular for queens who maybe end up not doing so well in the show. It's a great way to kind of give a a stronger first impression. So, um, you know... Who did you? Which performances were you most excited by from what you saw at the premiere party? Well, I, we're just gonna go there. I mean, Sasha Velour's performance. Yeah. I, Colin, I cried. Yeah, yeah. Colin, I could not believe. I mean, I've seen I've seen multimedia performances kind of like that before, but this I've never seen one with a drag queen, and I've never seen one that was lip syncing that passionately and I, it was just, oh god it was just a wonderful piece of art yeah uh, and i just i really loved what i was seeing yeah oh yeah i mean i had seen uh i'd seen her do that that performance i saw a clip of that when she did that at nightgowns and it's it's just it's amazing it's just so amazing so we should we should describe it to kind of get people to go watch it so it's basically sasha valore is standing in front of a projector um but all of uh I think it's projecting black. It's projecting darkness Mm -hmm. and you don't see anything. And you see, um, uh, actually you'll see a, uh, not an image, a video of Sasha Velour lip syncing to the song, um, that's being projected on her body. And every now and then it'll kind of flash up to her face and you'll see that, Oh, there's a, there's actually a person standing there. And then, um, when, as the song goes on, there's, uh, this digital art, that is kind of painted around her and on her and it changes colors. So like she'll be in white and then she'll be in red and then she'll be in yellow in various, uh, you know, shapes and, and brushstrokes throughout the song. And uh, it is absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. So please go and watch Sasha Velour's performance. Yeah, really. It's, it's different from what we've seen. I think any other queen on Drag Race do. It really is next level. Uh, just unbelievable. I would say another queen that I was really impressed with at the premiere was Eureka. She, oh yeah, yeah. She gave me way more than oh my god what I paid from the for. opening to the end. Yeah, yep. the opening. The, the opening was great, yeah, expected, and then she took off and put it on its head, and it was fabulous. Because Eureka came out, she she was kind of doing what you expect a big girl to do. She had this big old coat, big hair, was doing this big <laughs> song, was just kind of giving you that moment, and then she's like. Actually, I do more than this. And it was a complete change of look, change of pace, change of tone. She, I mean, God, the girl can dance. I mean, it just, yeah, yeah. it's fabulous. It really, she just, she brought so much energy. She's a queen that 
since the Meet the Queens and the more that we've learned about her and then seeing things like this, I'm like, oh, you have got a lot to give. Like, she just she really is a fantastic performer and a great entertainer and we really saw I, that's one that if you're going to like pick and choose which ones to watch from from your party that one would be top of the list with Sasha's mm, Sasha the more um so Sasha and Eureka the other one that is notable for me was I don't I, I think I remember hearing that you weren't that impressed but I I was impressed by James Mansfield's performance of Julie Brown's Home and Coming Queen's Got a Gun. She did it with a puppet. It was a cool song. It was funny. It was quirky. And and I watched the whole thing. You know, I it wasn't that I wasn't impressed. You could feel that the audience just didn't really know what to make of it. And there was, you know, honestly, the other thing is I think she's talking about like somebody in a high school with a gun. I'm like, oh, you are edgy. Like you are pushing buttons because like – that's just kind of taboo. That's that's taboo topic to go. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying. I didn't even go there with that. Though. Oh, I think that. That's I think some people. That's what they hear. And like once I kind of had that context in my head, I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But it's. I. It's not that I wasn't impressed with James Mansfield. It's just that, I. I just got the impression that it was like, oh, this is this is different do people get what you're doing do people do people know that you're on to yourself you know what i mean like i think that james mansfield kind of comes out with this persona as if she's not fully aware of everything she's doing right like right. i think she's very self-aware and i don't I know if so that's too. reading i don't know if that's I, reading i i think that she is i do think that she is i mm-hmm. think she's a very smart uh, smart young man underneath all of that yeah uh, character. yeah, yeah. I would. I also. I mentioned earlier. It's worth mentioning again. Aja's performance at the premiere is fabulous. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, it it was a little slow in the beginning, and then it picks up. I when she goes into the voguing, it it was great. Uh, there was, I was, I was a little kind of like, all right, okay. Oh, see, I didn't get that at all. I was, I was there for it. I, you, sometimes I feel that way with certain lip syncs. I'm like, okay, let's get there. But like, I. I don't know. There was something I was like, "Wow, I'm really into what she's giving." I'm. Hmm. I was totally sold. Uh, another um, one. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say another highlight for me is, of course, is Nina Bonita Brown. It was. Oh, Nina. Yeah. I mean the the look. It was this. I mean, it, she she created this kind of like gorilla face, uh, which you know, of course, is like, okay, wow, you're you're dipping your toe into that water uh which i'm not even gonna i'm gonna move away because it's not my place i feel to like talk that's about. not dipping a toe that's like you know plunging your face into it yeah you know? and i just was like okay then do that nina be do drag i'm not mad at that if that's what you're gonna do her performance was great there's you know, there's something about nina that i'm i wonder if this is gonna be more of what we see but there is this like the, the notes that I took was that there's like this relaxed yet energetic quality to her performance. Like she had a lot of energy and was bringing a lot of energy to the stage, but she just seemed to be kind of like, she wasn't breaking, I don't want to say she wasn't breaking a sweat, but there's just this kind of like ease in the way that she performed. She's sure. very comfortable and yeah, she's just kind I of doing these things. Too. Yeah, like she, she didn't seem... She's really owning the space as her performance and them watching. There's something about her that I really hope we see more of. It's just this really 
um, this this comfort with she knows exactly what she's doing, you know. Right. And right. Uh, I really saw that in the performance. And she's like, "Yep, here's what I'm doing, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that." And even in some of her moves, like her voguing, there's this just kind of like flailing, comfortable quality to it that wasn't mm-hmm. so like tight and precise the way Aja's was. And I, right. but I liked it. I it, it what it said to me was like Nina was just kind of like doing her thing and feeling her oats. So. Um, I um I, I I wanted to also give a shout out obviously to Alexis who sung mm-hmm. live. She did all that jazz with mm-hmm. many backup dancers. I, there's there's something to be said about having backup dancers kind of stealing focus or making something more interesting than it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, it was it was it was great. She did a great job. She hit every note well. She had a lot of energy. There was a lot of uh, choreography that she learned and put together. But I I don't know. I would have liked something a little different, whether maybe it was just her doing a solo or more of like a mashup. Uh, the fact that she did, again, I'm, I'm not – I don't love hearing the whole song unless some there's like some crazy reveal, which I did notice that some of the queens missed – the memo that like if you're gonna change on stage, like make it a big thing. Like don't just go off stage and then come back on because right. we missed the chance to kind of cheer it. Some I don't know. I felt like all that jazz it was kind of like okay, you're gonna do five minute song. Yep, and you're gonna the do the whole song. song. Yep, same song, the same look, and it was great. And all the other queens, maybe most of the other queens, um, couldn't do that. Yeah, I mean it was, you know. I, it's not a bad thing because obviously I'm a fan of this queen, but she was giving me, you know, Mrs. Kasha Davis a little bit with the singing. Uh, and it's fine. It's fine. I just wasn't expecting it. She she was beautiful in terms of like classic traditional drag. I mean, other end of the spectrum from Nina. She was just giving you like classic drag and she looked great. Um, but I agree. I kind of thought it was going to go somewhere else and it didn't really go anywhere beyond where it was. And so, right. you know, uh, Though, you know, a queen who did take it to a number of different places and did really surprise me, I will, I also want to give a shout out to Trinity Taylor's performance. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, I, she keeps growing on me as, uh, almost like a Robbie Turner, where it's like, okay, you can perform, and I really appreciated her performance, which was, she used, uh, the, the theme song from Nip Tuck, it was mm-hmm. all about plastic surgery, and, and yeah, she looked great, it was a great lip sync, and a great, um, uh, like, edit, well, yeah, I mean, she had she had the clips from First Wives Club. She had right. reveals. I mean, that tuck is for real. Yeah, that tuck was for real. Yeah, <laughs> she really, I mean, she is absolutely a, a capable, profoundly, like, interesting entertainer. I was always, I was like, wow, like, what are you going to do next? Like, she kept it going. I And, of course, there's just something about the way she looks, like the plastic surgery look. I'm just fascinated by Trinity Taylor now. I really – she has grown on me more than any other queen since Meet the Queens. Good, good. Um, Yeah, me too. Me too. It'll be interesting to see how far she goes. Uh, I'm not sold that she's going to go that far only because the other queens I think are bringing something different. But I think that what what she has going for her is that Rue loves – plastic surgery yeah i was just thinking that rude loves plastic surgery so um yeah i i really feel like in terms of getting to know the queens better giving them another take like this really told me so much more about trinity uh mm. than what i knew from meet the queens so uh yeah it was the the there's some just great clips i think it's the it's the channel drag coven there they were like in the front row of the premiere so they have great oh, footage great clips. yeah drag uh shea coulee there's no clips of her performance i don't know why 
Yeah, I missed that. Yeah. So, uh, so we will post uh, we'll post these highlights enough. If you want to see the other ones, you can find them through the Drag Coven channel, um, and certainly subscribe to Drag Coven if you like what you see. So I guess that's uh, kind of all of our main features for today. Um, if you have any thoughts on Drag Race or any thoughts on RuPaul or just want to send us some love, you can always email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter. We have 85 followers, Mary. Um, at, at All Right Mary. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, and I'm going to give it back to Colin. Yeah, well, you know, I, I want to say thank you to the folks who recently left us some ratings, left us some reviews on iTunes. We said it before, we'll say it again. It makes such a big difference in terms of reaching more people to talk about Drag Race, which, as we say every week, is really what we're here to do. The more emails that we've gotten from people, the more conversations we've been having on Twitter, the more fun this has been and the more exciting this has been. And so uh, I think for other people to kind of you know, be co-signers of our fantasy, uh, what helps is to have reviews on iTunes validating us with social proof. And so uh, I know it's a few steps to kind of go back to iTunes and do all that, but like it means a lot and it uh, it only helps uh, make this conversation even bigger. And so uh, if you feel motivated to do so and feel that this podcast is worth people knowing more about, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what, what you want, what more you want, let us know you're out there. And uh we would obviously really appreciate it. So we're going to end our podcast on a different note, so to speak, this time. Normally, we play our outro music, and that's that. But we have a final exciting segment called Last Chance Lip Sync. And it is a way for us to kind of share some of our favorite or fantasy lip sync songs that we would love other drag queens to do or that we would love to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have thoughts on this, please, please send us your suggestions and maybe we will feature your suggestion and shout you out um, on the podcast. But I think this is something we're going to try for a little while and see if it uh, catches any fire or if people respond well to it. Um, so we would, we're just going to share with you as we exit and say goodbye, uh, just about 20 seconds of, uh, lip sync. And this song is called history repeating. It is sung by Shirley Bassey. Uh, she did a collaboration with uh, the propeller heads. And if you don't know who Shirley Bassey is, look her up immediately because Shirley Bassey is everything. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Shirley Bassey. This is history repeating, and until next time, all we have to say is, see you later. Bye. Whatever may come, the world keeps revolving. They say the next big thing is here, that the revolution's near. But to me, it seems quite clear that it's all just a little bit of history repeating.